Hello and welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And together we are here to explore all things that make a relationship generous. And today we're going to explore the topic of sex once more. This season is spiced with all sorts of, of topics related to that because an, a generous relationship actually includes intimacy and intimacy leads to sex. And... Today, we're going to interview Monica Jane. What did you think about the interview I did with Monica Shachar? Wow, it was amazing. She has such an amazing outlook on sexuality and personal growth. I learned a lot from this interview. This is really an intense interview, and you will learn something about the five erotic languages. See you at the other end. Enjoy. Welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Fight less feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts, Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv. Hello, Generous Marriage Podcast. Oh my God, today I am really excited about the interview with Monica Jane. Let me just paint the scene a little bit. I'm Ziv Raviv. Today, you're not going to hear Shachar Erez. This is a solo interview and I have the privilege of interviewing Monica Jane. Monica is an intimacy coach, also known as a sexual empowerment coach and a life coach. And you get to deal, Monica, in your day-to-day life with a topic that many people have a problem talking about those issues. And yet it's so important. It's such a fundamental part of many people's life and their needs. And so I want to, first of all, congratulate you for being here in the show. Hello, Monica. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I want to, first of all, try to understand because some people don't understand what life coaching might be. They can maybe imagine it's kind of like therapy or maybe like a business coach talks about the business side of things. So a life coach helps you all sorts of problems in your life. What is an intimacy coaching? What is that all about? First of all, I would like to say I prefer to go by Monica Jane, both names at once. So Monica Jane and my title that I gave to myself is Life Coach of Unabashed Badassery. And so really what my foundation is, is for people to increase their self-expression, self-love and self-acceptance. And I do this on a foundation of getting in touch with your turn on, because I believe that what turns you on and what lights you up is what makes life worth living. Turn on happens all day. You're either turned on or turned off by everything you encounter, every interaction you have, everything you eat, look at, experience. And so when you're in touch with your turn on, it serves as a compass guiding you toward what brings you life, what invigorates your spirit, and it helps you make better choices in all areas of life. So intimacy is woven into that foundation of getting in touch with your turn on because physical intimacy is something that can really feed, fulfill, and satiate us and have us coming from a place of fulfillment and everything else in life. Or we can feel completely defeated and depleted in our physical intimacy. And so my intimacy coaching has to do with physical intimacy, intimacy with yourself. And then my life coaching carries on through unabashed badassery in all areas of your life, following your turn on, not only in the bedroom, but everywhere you go. Wow, I really love your clarity in understanding what do you do in life. And it's almost like you have these pair of glasses that looks at life and notices that some things are a turn on and some things are not a turn on. Can you give us a little bit of example of how you can help someone find and define their turn ons? Of course, yes. That is the first step when working with me. We spend three sessions really orienting to what is turn on, what is pleasure, uh, defining it for yourself. And I have a framework that we work with to narrow down how you're wired for turn on. So you might be familiar with the five love languages. Is that true? We talk a lot about it on the first season of the podcast. Yeah. Awesome. So with the five love languages, it's been identified there's five different ways people receive and give love. And if you're giving love and acts of service to someone who receives love in quality time, 
you aren't being generous to them. You're being generous in your own frame, but to them, you're just doing things for them. You're not loving them because your time and spending quality focused time just on them with them is how they receive love. And so what has happened is the wiring for being turned on has been broken down into five different, we'll call them languages too. And so how I help someone identify their erotic language is we orient to it. And then we use the mind with like a quiz and things that you read and get oriented to these five different wirings. And then the third week we ask your body. So we do body testing and we can do this virtually online. You can invite someone in, you can do solo practice or partnered to really identify these wirings. And you're probably curious, like, what do you mean wiring? So I'll give you the names of them just to satiate that. And they'll be interwoven, I'm sure, through everything we talk about today. They are energetic and energetics are turned on by anticipation, space, and tease. So I changed my voice there for the turn on element of the energetic. Sensuals are turned on by luxuriating in all of the senses, sound, taste, the way things look, the way things feel. And sexuals are turned on by nudity, genitalia, and penetration. Very simple, straightforward, joyful, and simple in sex. And kinky are turned on by anything that is taboo for you. So anything that's outside of your box, it turns you on to be a little naughty and do those things that you think you might be judged for liking or for being turned on by. And then shapeshifters. Shapeshifters are not equally, but they're turned on by all of them. And they need all of these inputs, all of these types of turn-ons to feel satiated and satisfied. So if they're getting two to three of them, they might still feel unfulfilled and coming from that depleted state. Wow, this is very powerful, like as a tool, because just like with the love language, if you are talking with the wrong love languages, people will not hear your love. You will not understand how come people do not respond to you, your spouse, your partner, she doesn't see your efforts. And if you talk with her in the right love languages, she's filled with energy and connection. And the same way, using the wrong wiring, or exceptionally speaking, <laughs> will lead to a potential disaster. Can you say that again, uh, like the names of the five? Yes. So, so a summary without the description is energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and shapeshifter. And I would like to credit the founder of this framework. Her name is Jaya Ma. And the way that she distilled our wirings for turn on down to these five is after 25 years of being a somatic sexologist. And a somatic sexologist is a practice that occurs in California. And what that means is it's hands-on and hands-in sex therapist. So she's worked with a lot of different genitals, a lot of different bodies, a lot of different responses. And she started to find that some people need space, anticipation, and tease. You can't just go straight for the genitals. Some people, you need to go straight for the genitals, otherwise they lose interest. Others need a little massage and things like this before you go deeper into intimacy. And some need out of the ordinary, just different and quote-unquote weird taboo things in order to be satiated. And others need everything. It's really founded on 25 years of research. Amazing. And uh, experimented with your survey as well, kind of like the survey where you go to the five love languages site and you check what your love languages, you have your own uh, survey where you basically find out what is your wiring or you also call it your blueprint. So mm-hmm. once someone knows what is blueprint, how does that help you later on in the next step of the work with them? Yeah. So we call it the erotic blueprint. And once you know what yours is, you can eliminate from your life all of the things that aren't fulfilling you, all of the things that aren't turning you on and start saying no to those things and start saying yes to the things that do. So after we 
do those first three sessions of like orienting, getting our brains wrapped around it, and then having our bodies tell us which erotic blueprint we are. We then go on to learn how to feed the blueprint, how to speak to the blueprint. And I did that a bit with my voice and introducing the blueprints, as well as how to heal the blueprint. Because each blueprint has superpowers and shadows. So an example of a superpower of an energetic blueprint is that they can come to orgasm and climax with no touch at all. They can come to it through eye gazing or just literally energetically. They're an energetic blueprint. A shadow side of an energetic blueprint, and a lot of people might resonate with this, is not speaking up for yourself and not setting boundaries, not saying no when it's a no for you, because you are so empathic as an energetic. You actually feel in your skin, in your soul, in your heart, in your mind, in all parts of you, what other people are going through that are in the room with you. And so out of consideration for them, you forego your own needs for theirs. So this is a shadow because you end up so far down the road with this that you're actually disembodied. Like you're no longer living in your body because it hurts because your body's not getting what it needs. That sounds very painful. Yeah. So, I mean, those are some pretty in-depth examples. Other examples of superpowers and shadows are with the kinky blueprint. Superpowers, such variety, such excitement, such openness to lots of things, almost anything sometimes, depending on what the taboo is for the kinky person. And shadows would be shame. The kinky blueprint is the one that has the most shame. The one we focus, we tend to focus the most on healing shame with the blueprint in that healing module, because kinkies are told by society that they're weird, they're wrong, they're demented, and things like this because they like to bring cucumbers into the bedroom or they like to have sex out where they might get caught or things like this. So anyway, we go into healing and then we go into expansion of the blueprints. And this is the module where you really get to see where you are, where your partner is, and how can we cross that bridge? Like how can we meet each other in what blueprints we each are? So if you have an energetic with a sexual, how can we cross that bridge? That module really gives a lot of hope for being able to be fulfilled with a partner in the rest of your life. And then the eighth module, we really work on how everything you've learned and how to carry into all areas of your life in and outside of the bedroom. Wow. I'm curious about those modules and we'll come back to that later on, uh, like to understand how people can learn more about this process and how to go through the different steps or different modules. It's really already getting me filled with hope for many people. They might ask yourself, well, Maybe I'm more of a sexual blueprint and my wife is more of a sensual or an energetic. Can we get along? And you're basically saying that there is a way, just like with the love languages, you can learn how to show love. You can also learn how to turn on, I guess, your partner by understanding what actually is positively and desired as a turn on. Yes, exactly. The way that I love to look at this is oftentimes as partners, we look at each other for what we're not. You're not turned on enough. You're not involved enough in my life. You don't ask me how I'm doing enough. You don't clean up enough. We look at each other for what we're not. And what I encourage with this model is to look at each other for what you are. As an energetic, you might be looking at your sexual wife as someone who loves sex. It's really simple and joyful for them. In fact, for sexuals, sex is like food and nutrients. And without sex, they literally feel like they're dying. And so they really need sex to feel fulfilled and satiated. And then the sexual wife can look at the energetic husband as someone who needs space anticipation and tease and someone who doesn't want her to go straight for the genitals, who doesn't want her to wear super sexy lingerie 
because that creates too much pressure on him to go straight there when he's not ready. They can see each other for that and she can meet him in teasing him and maybe sending texts or kind of like tickling his neck with really light touch or breathing on his ear or like kind of lingering around him, but not pouring all of her sexual turn on and energy all over the place on him. And then he can see her as sexual and wanting to see his naked body and wanting to just have it be simple and straightforward and quick. And so they can meet somewhere. They can meet each other fully. They can meet in the middle. There's a whole spectrum now and they have a language to talk about it. So that's something that I think I've heard you bring up in your podcast quite a bit is communication. And one of the reasons why people are so unfulfilled, I would say the top reason perhaps why people are unfulfilled in their sexuality is they don't have a common language to talk about it. And on top of that, they don't even know what they want. So this framework really shows you what are things that you might want. You discover that through the work And then you know what you want, you have a framework and you have a common language. And now we can start overcoming and really getting into expansion in our sex lives. I think it's super important to understand this because when I looked at this concept, Monica Jane, of the five different sexual wireframes or blueprints, I can't even guess which one is related to me, which one will I end up to be, you know, after looking at the survey, it was an interesting process. It's actually very interesting and surprising even, and it teaches you something about yourself. So I really love and resonate what you said about the clarity and how that is a part of the process, not just to know how to speak, but also to know how you like to listen and what turns you on. And this also brings us back to how we started, which is that life coaching and what you do in general with intimacy, with sexual empowerment is to find those turn-ons. So I want to ask you about the problems. What type of problems do you actually help with this process? I figured that question was coming my way and it really is infinite. (laughs) So it's a bit difficult to answer the question. But in thinking about it before this interview, I realized that there are symptoms, there are actual physical symptoms that people come with, like erectile dysfunction, quote unquote, premature ejaculation or ejaculatory control issues, women who aren't their physiology, they're not getting wet, they have a lack of libido, no turn on, men who have a lack of libido or no turn on. So there's like the physical things that present themselves. And oftentimes we go straight for those trying to solve them like with a pill or with antidepressant pill or Viagra pill or something like this, when really the other problems are underneath those. And those problems I've distilled down to shame, repression, and feelings of unworthiness. So somewhere along the way, most of us pick up shame around sex or repression around sex. So you can have repression without shame. You repress what you want. You could be totally uninhibited in your desires and knowing what you want, but you repress it because you're told by society that it's not okay to be that vocal to be that clear or to be that sexual or to be that horny or to be that way. And also feelings of unworthiness. And all of this contributes to other bigger issues that are addressed in this work with me. And that is that communication is hard. We are not able to talk about sex at all. We don't even know what we want to say. And so how could we even speak up in the first place? putting others' needs before your own, feeling defeated, feeling unsatisfied or unfulfilled in sex or all areas of your life, feeling exhausted all the time is one that I get. Being in your own way and knowing it, but not knowing how to get out of it. Those feelings of unworthiness, of love, of attention, of good sex, of a good job, of anything good, of money, frustration and resentment, are definitely issues that 
are resolved in this work, feeling stuck, avoiding the growth that you desire, safety, a lack of feeling safe. Back to the energetics again, they are the ones who are most inclined to not feel safe. And it's because they're not creating the safety they need. They're not holding their own boundaries. Another symptom would be painful sex. Another symptom would be not being able to orgasm or being able to orgasm with yourself, but not with a partner or vice versa. Fear of rejection, trouble being in your body, trouble trusting your own desires and intuition, losing connection with your partner, seeking a deeper connection, boredom. A lot of times people just hit a plateau. They've been doing the same damn thing for two years or for 20 years. And they're just like, why are we doing this? Attachment issues, codependency. I mean, the list is huge. I could keep going. There were 50 things on it when I started writing it to distill it down for this interview. And so the biggest takeaway that I have from this is we have beliefs and we have things going on internally that need to be addressed. And so what I look at is I have a framework for looking at these things to discover and uncover what's behind these symptoms that we just chase with pills or counseling or something like this. And that is what's going on physically for you. Did you have a cesarean? Did you have head trauma? Did you have a surgery? What's going on biochemically for you? That includes hormonally, like hormone imbalances, and that includes brain chemistry depression, anxiety, or other mental health issues. We look at emotions, emotionally, what's going on for you. And we look at energetics, energetically, what's going on for you. And so with those four categories of looking at physical, biochemical, energetic, and emotional, we really pinpoint, like nothing can hide. When you look at those four categories, if we're just looking at the symptom and I'm going to fix you, that doesn't lend to permanent results, permanent evolution, permanent changes. I love how you notice not just the many different problems that you can help with and that intimacy coaching can help with, but actually you also identified the three huge emotional hurdles or catastrophes that happens to all so many people these days. This is like the era, we call it a lot, the era of shame. People are suffering from shame throughout the world uh, these days in the modern world and in the modern society. And there's a lot of problems in therapy inside the situation of just as a couple being able to communicate. It's just so hard with shame in the formula, in the blueprint. And then you also noticed how repression is a powerful underlying cause of many problems and unworthiness. And all those three huge hurdles, they have things that you can do that you can help with in this process. You can trust the process. The process works. You don't leave a rock and you don't leave some, something to, that is unchecked. You're thorough and you work with the person according to his style and his needs and his situation in life. And I think that's mm -hmm. really important. And I think obviously you also help with stuff that are not so critical, like maybe a couple feels not having enough sexual relationships in their marriage and they feel like they have problems in communicating about them. So they just want to supercharge their relationship sexually because it's a part of the partnership as well. People are listening to this and they can't hear you nod, but obviously you're nodding and and agreeing that even those type of situations, which I guess quite common, can be something that you can easily get help with. I want to ask you on a more energetic, we talk about energetic a lot here, and I really can relate to that. I want to ask you, where are you coming from? Like, what do you stand for? What is your real goal when you're working with clients like that? So I love that you mentioned the issues don't have to be huge. And that is so important to recognize because a lot of people don't come for assistance or help until the issues are big. So you could be having satisfactory sex life, but know that there's more. You've kind of plateaued maybe and you don't know how to break through. You don't know how to identify those things. So one of my clients just recently said, I feel like we are opening doors that I didn't even know existed. And really, it came out more emphatic. I had a client recently who said, 
oh my God, I feel like we're opening doors I didn't even know existed. And this is a 40 something year old man. It's not like he hasn't had a lot of experience and sex in his life. And so they're coming from a very satisfied sex life. But what else is there? So we call that transformational. So there's different stages of sexuality and there's resting, healing, curious, adventurous, and transformational. So no matter where you are in your stages of sexuality, I have guidance for that. I have a next step for that. And quite frankly, once you get to transformational in one area of your sexuality, it opens up possibilities for even more. So really what I stand for, my mission is to help people not only know, but to communicate their needs and desires clearly, both inside and outside the bedroom, and to accept themselves as they are by offering full permission, safe space, skills, and education to discover themselves completely. And I'm also on a mission to change the conversation and eliminate the stigma and shame around sex and sexuality. To create safe spaces for people to feel safe, to express themselves, ask questions, and finally meet the fullness of their eroticism, their relationships, their self-love, and their communication potential. Wow, this mission is something that is so important. And I see how it comes from within you. It is a part of who you are. In this season, we have decided to lift the flag of the right to feel. And this concept, which is unfortunately, men and women are suppressed by society and by individuals in their lives, even by our partners sometimes because we don't understand how we feel and what are the mechanisms for us to feel and to be one with our feelings. And it's totally different mechanisms for most of the men, most of the time, and most of the women, most of the time, there's like physical differences that later on dictate differences in the mechanisms of feelings and how you can access them either freely or through different processes. But that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people identify their mechanisms of feelings. And I feel like you're doing the same thing in a more intimate way in helping people have the right to to be who they are in their intimacy, in their sexual blueprint, and also in their lives and see the importance of working on that. Like seriously, people that don't get the support they need in bed and in the relationship are just, in my humble opinion, they are blocked in life. They literally have this glass ceiling that they will never break until they manage to be one with themselves and honor themselves and also to be one with their partner. And that affects even stuff like business. It won't help you to learn the next marketing tactic as much as it will learn how to pleasure your wife. It's that simple, in my humble opinion. I want to ask you though, in case... People are listening to this and they are considering and thinking and are like they're not sure. Just so that we re-say that very clearly, who is the type of people that might need discussing these type of topics or even going through coaching? Yes. So to encapsulate it in a very short, concise manner, I am here to work with those of you who are ready to drop your conditioning, your social conditioning, your religious conditioning, and the conditioning you've put upon yourself throughout your life, and you're ready to be unabashedly you. So my motto is dare to be unabashedly you. So it's interesting. You said so many things just then that related to my journey, and feeling was definitely the beginning of my erotic awakening and expansion. And when I finally decided to invite and accept pleasure, to feel pleasure in every moment of my life, to live my life in pleasure in what lights me up, what turns me on, and to say no to all of the things that turn me off, I came into the most grounded, radiant, confident, sovereign, effective version of myself that I've met to date. And that's where I live today. And it's interesting that you said you see and that I embody this. And that is the feedback that I get the most. And that is why people are attracted to work with me. They say, you live, you embody, you exude 
what you share with the world. And I want some of that too. So to answer the question again, in a nutshell, I am ready to work with anyone who is ready to take off the layers and layers and the weight of the conditioning and of all of the shoulds that they carry. I should be this way. I should say this. I should, should, should. Those of you who are ready to be fully unabashedly yourselves to uncover and discover all of who you are, that is who I work with. That is who I can help the most. I love how you define it through who you are ready to work with because really it explains how it's not really someone that there's no one that cannot benefit from that if they are willing to let go of all of those, I dare say, even voices that keep telling them that this is wrong, all those things that create the shame and the repression. If you hug the repression and you want to stay with the repression, then it's very hard, I imagine, to actually mm-hmm. heal. Yeah, so I have an inbuilt framework for this too. <laughs> I'm prepared, Zim. <laughs> and that is measuring commitment. So I have a scale of one to 10 and I ask prospective clients, what is your commitment level to manifesting the transformation that you desire? And they give me their number and that number has to be seven or higher because I bring a lot of information. I bring a lot of inspiration, but without the willingness, without the commitment of the client of you who are listening, no change is going to be permanent and you'll probably stay stuck. And so for me, I check in throughout our relationship together, throughout our coaching client relationship together, where's your commitment level? And if it falls below the seven, we look at, can we get it back up? Can they get it back up? So I will support you in increasing your commitment level But as long as your commitment level is below a seven, no matter what books you read or who you see or what you spend money on, you're not going to receive permanent transformation. Oh man, I love it so much. It reminds me of how inner circles of coaching customers of mine on the business side of things, they actually have to eat healthy every day in order to qualify for certain levels of coaching. And they need to prove that to themselves. I hear what you say about those, that metric. Mm -hmm. Well, that's awesome because for me, I've identified that solving problems, you're bringing something up here that I would like to bring up. Solving problems requires information, new information, accountability, and willpower. And so I bring the information the new information and the support for accountability. And the client has to be willing to bring accountability for themselves and willpower. And with that, we can change. We can make great strides in anyone's life. Yeah. And a lot of times I think that willpower by itself is not enough. So you're not going to get yourself unstuck with the same mindset and the same tools you had so far even if you want it and you want to fix this, you need the new mindset, you need the extra input, you need the accountability that you create. And it's almost like a partnership. It is a partnership. I totally agree. And I separate desire from willpower. So you can desire things and then you need your willpower in order to make moves toward transformation. And then a lot of times we are not for various reasons, and we can get into the depths of psychology here on why we don't hold ourselves accountable. But I'm pretty sure I trust that everybody listening to this podcast right now had the conversation about accountability. Like, I know I want to eat better. Why am I eating this cookie right now? I know I want to go to bed by 10 p.m. Why am I binge watching Netflix and it's 1230 at night? So sometimes we need others to help ourselves be accountable. That brings me to the thought that most of the people I speak with, by the time they are reaching out to a sexual empowerment coach, sex coach, intimacy coach, a life coach, they've tried a lot of things and they've set out with good intentions 
to make transformation. They have action items that they know that they need to do, books that they know they want to read, but they don't. And so that's where having a coach can really, really help you so that you're not wasting more years of your life. Sometimes the investment in a coach is scary because you're actually investing in yourself. It's not the coach that's creating the fear. It's the investment in yourself. And what it's going to mean is that you're actually going to change. And a lot of us have aversion to change and transformation. And emotionally, some of us, maybe a lot of us, I'm not sure of the culture in Israel, but we have an aversion to accepting good and better and improvement in our lives. And too much, there's too much of a good thing. And we'll start to sabotage that. So a coach can be there to call out those patterns that can call out those negative beliefs that can call out your blocks with love and grace and sometimes a little ferocity if you're really getting in your own way. And so that's what I love to balance is grace and ferocity in holding you accountable to your desires and keeping your willpower at that seven or higher. That's super cool. And sometimes you need to kick some asses And uh, that is, I guess, metaphorically speaking, that's a part of what you do. I'm really grateful for presenting this topic and these different tools like looking at the five different wiring or sexual wirings and understanding many different problems that can be helped with and even fixed with sexual empowerment. I do have a few questions that we've collected towards the interview to try to help more people with more ideas that I know that you have deep understanding on sex and on relationships and on the generosity part of it all. Everything you do is by nature is helping people live a more generous life. So if you don't mind, we'll transition into a few of those questions and see what's your take on those topics. So the first- Awesome, lay them on me. <laughs> awesome, yay. We always love providing value and, and you by nature provide so much value. So we'll go into that. So the first question I want to ask you more in, I mentioned the right to feel and how we are trying to map out in this season, a few differences between most of the men and most of the women. I'm not going into a lot of politically correctness. So I apologize if by generalizing someone is hurt, that's not our goal. Our goal is just to provide some important ideas that can help you. And later on, you can do like the modifications if you're listening to this. But I do want to know what do you think men get out of sex and what women get out of sex? That's a good question. So it's relative to the human being. So to your point about generalizing men and women, it's really going to depend on their state that I mentioned earlier. And it's going to depend on their blueprint. And it's going to depend on whether or not that blueprint was seen, felt, heard, addressed, spoken to, fed in the interaction. So I would like to speak in general terms here that what people get out of sex is different depending on the person. For some people, it's a sense of pride and a sense of worthiness. For others, it's a transformational journey out into the galaxies of infinity. <laughs> so that would be an energetic response. A kinky response might be that you get to go into subspace. So that's a whole other topic if we do a, another interview or something about these delving into the realms of each of these blueprints. The kinky realm, you go into what is called subspace, and that is space where time and the confines of living on this earth just disappear. I've been in subspace for five minutes and it felt like three days. I've been in subspace for three hours and it felt like 30 seconds. So it's like a, almost like a hallucinogenic journey without the hallucinogens. <laughs> and for sexuals, what they get out of sex is life. Literally, for the sexual blueprint, they get vitality, they get life, they get vim, they get vigor, they get orgasm, they get climax, they get simplicity, they get joy. I actually, if you're open to it, would like to redo that and I can go through each blueprint and what they get out of sex, cool. if that's okay. Yeah. So I would like to speak about this in generalities of the blueprints because there are male and female of each of the blueprints. There's an even spread. What the blueprints have done have debunked 
that men are just sexual and women are just sensual. We're across the board. So what an energetic would get out of sex is connection, sense of belongingness, maybe a sense of morphing into oneness with their partner, and maybe even some transformational journey out into the galaxies of infinity. A sensual, what they would get from sex is that their body is fed fully, satiated. They feel out of their minds and into their bodies. They struggle, sensual struggle a lot with like performance anxiety or being distracted in sex. So great sex when fulfilled, they feel in their bodies and grounded and not so frenetic in their heads. Sexuals get life, literally life. Sexuals are fed life by sex, joy, simplicity, orgasm, climax. Sexuals, it's very straightforward and like classic what we think of what people would get from sex. Kinkies might get anything like an amazing journey into healing shame around desiring certain things. Also in the kinky realm, there's uh, what we call subspace and we can go in depth in all of the blueprints and what they could get about sex at another time. But kinkies can go into subspace and subspace is where all the confines of this world, this realm no longer exists. There's no time for instance. So I've been in subspace for three hours and it felt like 30 seconds and I've been in subspace for five minutes and it felt like three days. So it's an altered state that can come about in a kinky scene. And then shapeshifters, I mean, they're going to get a myriad of all of these things and more. So for me, it's not about what do men or what do women get out of sex. It's what you get when you are fed in your erotic blueprint. And it requires knowing that and understanding that on both of your parts in order to offer that. Wow. Mind just blown from how more efficient your perspective is in looking into the needs of what you get from sex. So such an elegant answer to look at men and women as persons and as people that has a blueprint. And as you say, those blueprints, they go across the board. So even though one might think that most of the men are sexual and most of the women are sensual, actually, there's more shades around that and there's more options and there's more things to understand. So I really appreciate that. I would like to add here that because women are supposed to be, I have quotation marks with my fingers we can't see right now. <laughs> But because women are quote unquote supposed to be sensual, when they are sexual, when they just want to have sex and they want to have lots of it, they're the women in our society who are called sluts and whores. And then men who aren't purely sexual, they're not all about like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Let's get down to it. Let's get naked. I'm hard right now. Let's go. They're unfortunately the ones in our society who are called pussies, who are called weak or weaklings because they don't fall into this sexual category. So that's what I'm all about is that liberation from this conditioning that just because you're not a sexual blueprint male, maybe you're energetic. It doesn't mean you're not worthwhile. And just because you're a sexual woman and you're not sensual, it doesn't mean that you're an awful human being who all of us should shun and call a whore. Wow. There's something very generous about the way that you are looking at this and allowing people to find out what they need and how to get it and not to be ashamed by needing and wanting and desiring certain things and being turned on by certain things uh, that are not uh, what society says. Even if you are energetic, let's say, if you're a man and you're energetic and sexually with that blueprint, that is okay too. There's things that you get out of sex, just like you said, life. And that is still very important. So by, we only did this very briefly now. We definitely should uh, talk again in some way, shape or form. But just so people could understand those different ways of what you need is really important. So I'm already changing my next question because I understand now just a bit more. You managed to take a naive, silly question and empower it with a smart and deep answer. So thank you for that. So my next question is from your experience and working with people and from your studying, how do the different blueprints of sexual wiring, how do they respond to the topic of how often to have sex. 
Is there like a low end or a high end <laughs> on the different blueprints? So how often is relative once again? And when you and your partner are fed, seen, held, heard, addressed in each other's blueprint, you could be like rabbits and have sex all the time because you're not coming from a place of resentment. You're not coming from a place of neediness. You're coming from a place of fulfillment and generosity. So really to round this out, learning each other's blueprint and learning your own and learning how to speak up for yourself, learning how to identify your needs so that you can speak up and be clear with your partner. Lack of clarity is huge in the sex room. Like raise your hand if you're listening to this podcast and you have ever experienced lack of clarity in the bedroom or with intimacy with your partner. This is the most generous act that you could do in the realm of sexuality is really understand and see each other once again for who you are instead of all the things that you're not. And once you do that, you could be having sex all the time. Or if you're both energetic, you might find that penetrative sex... Okay, so this begs the question, what is your definition of sex? And when you said sex, I went straight to my social conditioning that that means penetrative dick and vagina. But that begs the question, what is sex? And for energetics, sex might just be eye-gazing and penetrating each other with their energy and with their presence. So the how often question is the issues around how often and frequency that partners run into can be resolved once this framework becomes a part of their everyday life. Wow. I understand now that the little details of what is sex by itself can affect the how often answer. But also, as you said, pretty much I can summarize it in a naive way, like the more the merrier, as long as you are understanding each other and connecting each other and you've healed and you're not coming from a place of resentment and from a place of adversaries. Once you're in the partnership and you understand each other, that allows you to have more. I would summarize the answer with you can have more once you reach the level of clarity that can be achieved. I would summarize that too, as you can have more of what you want. You can have more of what fulfilling sex is for you. And that's another thing is we, through this framework, I invite you to define what is fulfilling sex. And like I said, for the energetics, eye gazing, perhaps, or ecstatic dancing and movement for the sensuals, it could be like full body massages and just pressing into each other and never penetration. It could include penetration. So it's, yes, more often of what's fulfilling for you. Wow. We are kind of running out of time. So I'm going to try and hold you accountable for just a few more questions. Uh, okay. Worst case scenario will just, which will be probably best case scenario. We'll just do something again and help our audience because your point of view is just is very unique and very important. Let's say we have a, a situation where a couple is having sex for a few years now and then suddenly one of the partners kind of forgets the way that the other partner wants to be pleased or enjoys to be pleased. Would you say... Should we expect our partners to identify body language or identify what is expected of them? Or should we teach them what we like and what we need, even if we already did that in the past? So it's back to the love languages concept with these erotic blueprints. We tend to feed our partner in the way that we want to be fed. So it's most likely or probable that when your partner is doing something that you don't like, it might be something that they like. It could be something that they think that you would like and, and not something that they like. And that's where communication comes in. So yes, I do believe that we need to hold ourselves and each other accountable for speaking up 
in this framework of the blueprints, when we talk about, call them obstacles and opportunities for sexual health and vitality, the physical, biochemical, emotional, and energetic, once you're more in tune with those with yourself, you can be more in tune with those with your partner. So physically and emotionally and energetically, you will start see and read the body language better. But I'm always an advocate for use your voice, using your voice using clarity. And what's so frustrating for some of you hearing that is that maybe you've tried and it doesn't work. So it's using language that speaks to the person you're speaking to, using language that is clear about what you want to need and desire. And oftentimes we're, we don't have those tools. And that's what I'm here for, is to help you have those tools so that you, you don't have to have these moments. Not so that you don't have to. One of my biggest pet peeves is once you do this thing, never again are you going to deal with this problem. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I mean to say is when you do run into these scenarios, you will be able to address them from a place of empowerment and clarity and wisdom and experience instead of whatever else you're feeling, which probably includes something like frustration, resentment, sadness, dismay, that your partner could be so unthoughtful or so forgetful or something like that. Yeah. While you were answering this, and thank you so much for all the details, I also realized how the actual question by itself was coming from a place of adversary instead of from a place of partnership. And so, yes, verbal communication, noticing what is your love language, what is your blueprint, noticing what is your partner blueprint, noticing what makes them tick, what makes them turn on, identifying all of that and, and working on all of that, coming from clarity, from understanding that empowers everything. So it just makes a lot of sense now in this context. Thank you. We're almost running out of time and I do want to give you the stage for to learn more about Monica Jane and what you do and the process that you explained, all those mm -hmm. models. So I want to wrap up with a few tips from you, Monica Jane, of how people can be a little bit more generous in the bed or with sex, I'm preconditioned to look at the bed as the location. What are some of the ways that couples that are listening to this can take right away and say, okay, I'm going to try this with my partner? What do you think? First of all, I love that you identified that you're preconditioned to think of the bed. That is very much social conditioning. And also it could be sexual blueprint. It's just very simple and straightforward. So I love that. Like, whereas the sensual might see the bathtub and the kitchen counter and different areas, <laughs> the place for sex and energetics might see everywhere. I'm having sex with everything all the time, energetically. <laughs> so I love that you identified that. But tips for being more generous in bed or in intimacy, we'll say. This can be a tricky question because, again, you think you're being super generous, but you're speaking a language that doesn't feel generous to your so by communicating about each other's needs and desires and delivering what your partner says are their needs and wants and knowing that most people aren't 100% clear on what they want and desire. So it might require various rounds of these conversations and trying those things out and debriefing. That's one thing that doesn't happen. And it's one thing that I teach is debriefing with your voices, not just we had this interaction, she made these noises, he moved this way, so it must have been blah, blah, blah. But rather actually debriefing. And so in my framework, we have what's called sex labs. And sex labs can include like the actual act of sex, or they really are meant to be something without any pressure. So you have a hypothesis. If I spend five minutes massaging my partner's back, they're going to be ready for sex. And you try it and your partner gives you feedback. You set a specific time frame. You have a timer. You have all the things that you need there for that experiment. And then you just talk about it. So the goal of the sex lab is not getting to penetration or sex. It's checking things out. 
So that might be something that, that you could implement in order to increase the generosity between each other. And sometimes it sounds funny to people to schedule something like that. I'm here to tell you implementing this kind of thing in my life and in my clients' lives and in the hundreds of thousands of people who've done this work. I'm not the only coach for this framework. We're across the world. Hundreds of thousands of people have done it. It's increasing the generosity tenfold because you're speaking their language and they are speaking yours. Wow. I think that's an amazing way to wrap up the interview for today. At the very least, with this generosity, with the scientific approach, I dare say, for experimenting. And I think it's also something that is very practical to go on one of your date nights, like we keep talking about those date nights. Go on a date night with your spouse. Tell her about the interview with Monica Jane and about this funny courageous idea of doing a sex lab that by itself could be an amazing date with an amazing uh, process of either just talking about it or even uh, actually experimenting and researching your body, your being, your sexual blueprint and the details about mm -hmm. all of it, they matter. It's been such an amazing experience, Monica Jane, to talk with you about the topic of sex for the last hour or so. How can people learn more about you, Monica Jane? Mm, awesome. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. And I love your questions. And what I love to watch is the paradigm shifts because that's what this work is all about, is busting down all of the conditioning and paradigms. So I hope that you receive some of that, Ziv, and our listeners received some of that as well. And doors they didn't even know existed are now opening. <laughs> So if you would like more information and if you would like to open more doors, more possibilities and break down more conditioning for yourself, you can find me at monicajane.com. It's M-O-N-I-C-A-J-A-Y-N-E.com. So Jane has a Y in it. And on monicajane.com, you'll find all kinds of resources, blog articles, as well as a quiz link. I'm going to encourage all of you to go to monicachain.com and find that quiz and take it. And if you do that, you're going to get an email invitation for some special bonuses. And for the energetics, that will be a turn on and they'll be so anticipating, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And notice if me not explaining those bonuses to you is agitating. It might be a sign that you are not an energetic blueprint. You might be sensual, sexual, kinky, or shapeshifter. But all of that is to come to you when you visit monicajane.com and click on taking the quiz. I also am very vocal on my Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me using the name M-O-N-I-C-A-J-A-Y-N-E, Monica Jane. And we will put all those links in our show notes on the generousmarriage.com website so people could easily find you, Monica Jane, and learn more about the processes that you've designed, that you certified on working with, and that and you have the years of experience of helping people reach a more generous sex life and better intimacy and empower them in their lives. And uh, that, what a wonderful way to sum up the interview. Guys, either you go to monicajane.com or go to generousmarriage.com and find the link. Either way, thank you for listening. Thank you, Monica Jane, for being here on the show. I have a good feeling that we will uh, do something again uh, of some sort if you would love that. And see you guys next week on the Generous Marriage Podcast. It has been such a pleasure to be with you today and to answer these questions. And I would love to answer more. So please do be in touch. And I look forward to you living your life in pleasure. Wow. Five erotic languages. Who would have known that there is an actual way to understand what is the love language on the erotic level of your partner? I love that. You know, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I'm actually a big fan of typologies. As a therapist, I use personality types a lot, different type of modalities. The one that is called the Enneagram and another one that is a somatic based that looks about your body posture to, to understand your personality. 
And this one is new for me, the five erotic blueprints, and it's great. I want to learn more about it. It's really useful because once you know about yourself, you already can understand why certain things just don't turn you on. And finding the turn-ons in your life is a big key for eroticism. But we actually created a PDF for you, a bonus inside the website, generousmarriage.com, where you can actually find ways to be more generous according to your partner's erotic language. So where can people find that, Shachar? Well, please go to generousmarriage.com to season two, episode 10 with Monica Jane. And at the bottom where you'll see the free bonus that we prepared that will teach you how to be generous with your partner by understanding their erotic language better and what turns them on and giving them what makes them feel sexy. You can also find there some extra perk from Monica herself. So head on over to generousmarriage.com and check the bonus section. And I think you're going to love it. And I hope that you find a lot of pleasure in uh, exercising and implementing those tips. And coming up next in the Generous Marriage podcast is an interview with Gal Sekely. You've been familiar with his work for quite some time, Shachar, isn't it? Yeah, Gal is an amazing couples therapist. He's the founder with his wife. They founded the Couples Center in San Francisco. And he is brilliant. He integrates different modalities and he brings really a new kind of thinking into couples therapy. I'm looking forward for the interview next week. Me too, especially because of the topic of attunement and how you can use that in your relationship to better understand what is going on uh, with you and your spouse and also to create a better connection. See you guys next week on the Generous Marriage Podcast. Bye. See you next week. 